Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Bathurst 12 Hours on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. The sound of the pit lane hooter means that we are ready to go and in fact are going for free practice for the final track action of Fast Friday here at the 2024 Repco Bathurst 12 hours. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. You can do the, you know where you are in the world. I'm not going to do the timings. Uh, maybe getting up early, got us on with the cricket if you're in the UK. Good to have your company. That's Creelsey, GT and Hindy in the booth. And Shea Adam down in the pit lane. We'll check in with Shay in just a moment's time. Uh, Garth, this is the last opportunity for the bronze drivers to get out there. What are they going to be looking for in this session? It's a bit cooler. Uh, it's a maybe the chance for them to, to try some faster runs. Or what are they doing? What are they doing out there? No, I think... This one is much cooler than the middle part of the day. Um, so we've had a very brief rain shower come across the circuit as well in the last hour. That's all dried up and gone away. So conditions are going to be a little bit different to when they drove in their previous bronze-only session this morning. The track will be more rubbered in. So there is potential for the, this bronze session to be faster than the earlier bronze session, which ran at about, what was it, 9.30 earlier yeah. this morning. So... Um, Drivers have had time to look at data, to, to look at vision, to to basically cheat off their pro teammates and find about a, find a bit of lap speed. On board here with Kenny Habul in the number 75 Sun Energy 1 AMG Mercedes. So in the second bronze session last year, it was actually this man, Kenny Habul, who was mm. fastest with a 5.30. And uh, the time that Liam Talbot did in practice two this morning, the previous bronze session was a 6-1 but he was actually on target to do a, a high five, a five, maybe a 5-7 uh, before he made a mistake in this final sector. So we'd expect that we'll be down in the low fives again towards the end of this session uh, for the bronze drivers. There's Liam Talbot there in the orange Audi number 22 car who was fastest in practice to the previous bronze session. And if you're a bronze driver, the designated am, amateur driver in a combo, and you're doing a five, you're in the money. Oh, you yeah, are yeah, well mate. and truly in the mix. You're ticking the box. Correct. Because we spoke earlier in practice three, the all-in session, where it was much hotter, there was a lot more UV on the circuit, and, um, you know, really, that's when you expect to be doing fives, probably yes. fives and sixes if it's, yeah. if it's really hot. So if you've got an AM driver that can be doing fives, maybe sixes when it's hot like that, then they're not really an AM driver and they're not a weak link Correct. in your team. Yeah. So um, that's what this session is. It's to continue to sharpen yourself and, and to work oh. on Liam Talbot. <laughs> Just <laughs> a, a little bit wide on this sharp, one. Sharp catch guff, <laughs> yeah. a little bit wide there. <laughs> the wash it yeah. orange and blue Audi. So... Just to give you an idea of how the conditions have changed, practice three started a little more than two and a half hours ago, 
and was 28 and a half degrees C and very humid when it started. This is a look, the Pirelli replay just into turn one, slightly wide and the car snatches, but Liam, with lots of experience in these cars, gathers it up. So Pirelli to Rally Cross Toes. Oh, yeah, yeah well known for their history yeah. in the World Rally Championship, yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, Audi too, why not? Uh, <laughs> so just on 28 degrees at the start of the last session, it's now just over 23 degrees, but the humidity has completely disappeared as well. So the ambient conditions, it's now, it feels quite cool outside. So the ambient conditions have changed dramatically in the intervening couple of hours at the moment. So the cars will be breathing better without that humidity in the air and the warmth. The UV off the racetrack, much more over, overcast and cloudy uh, more than it was earlier today as well. It's going to be interesting. There's been some great stories up and down the lane and there's been some real tales of, well, I'm not quite sure how we're still here, with near misses and moments and slower traffic. Um, Tom Randall was showing me some particularly exciting in-car footage from the entry to the kink at the chase that he had in his last session. So there's been a bit of that. And the other story is how teams have been evolving their cars. I just want to have a quick chat with David Wall to find out how the Wall Racing Lambo is going. Brand new race car. Never seen Mount Panorama in that car before this weekend. And he said, practice one, it was maybe a five out of ten, if we're lucky. By yeah, the end really. of practice three, they got it somewhere near an eight and a half. So they're much, much happy with it, the way they're tuning that car and getting it right. And that was a common theme in conversations up and down the pit lane. Brad Schumacher coming out of Murray's and heading across the line, starting another lap in the KFC car. And uh, Liam Talbot follows through with the 22. So 2 and 22 heading up Mountain Straight. Not going to miss that bright tangerine orange and blue car. Perennially, the Audi has struggled for top speed, Garth, and you... You know better than most about that. Talk about that in a moment as Shea Adam uh, joins us in the pit lane. 34 minutes to go, Shea. Where are you? Hey, guys. Well, I walked down to check on the Audi garage because when we left it at the start of the last bronze session, it was a slight state of discombobulation. Both cars finding strife over the course of that session. I'll let Garth fill us in on all the details of what was wrong with both of the cars because he was the one who went and found out. Uh, but ultimately, weather. We talk about it. STM, they're a car that's not out on track right now with their Mercedes, but they have gone old school as far as their weather radar is concerned. They have an old-fashioned childhood pinwheel that's up on the top of their garage. <laughs> if the pinwheel is wet, it's raining. Yeah. The pinwheel is spinning, it's windy. Right now, the pinwheel, it's almost stationary, but every now and then a gust of wind just makes it go round and round. And that's kind of the situation down here. We're not talking about a, a light jacket anymore. But it is a lot cooler than it was earlier, and that will make the Pirellis much, much happier. So tell us about these Audi problems then, Garth. What did you what did you beat out of your, <laughs> your former colleagues? Yeah, I went down and it was it was that on the Schumacher car, it was a sensor issue. It was the reference sensor that runs on the rear axle. So we they changed the sensor, put a brand new sensor in the car, they found they had an issue, put a brand new sensor in, car wouldn't fire up at all with a brand new sensor. So then they had to go to the truck grab a sensor off the spare gearbox in the truck, grab that out, put that in, and then the number two KFC Audi got going. So Brad Schumacher got out very late, got those two laps and did a great job to get himself inside the top four with just two laps of running in that session. And then the 22 Audi of Liam Talbot, they, uh, after the first pro session, Kelvin Vanderlinde reported the brake pedal was just a little bit long and a little bit spongy. So 
they replaced the front master cylinder on that car and just took a little bit longer than the time they had in between sessions. But the team decided they want to get on top of that early, get that fixed early so that all those issues go away and they can just concentrate on going fast. It, it just underlines, and the Audi is by no means the, the uh, newest of the GT3 cars, quite the reverse. It just underlines how all these systems are interlinked. Yes. You can't just, in the old days, you know, if something goes, you can, you can sort of a bit of MacGyver it and bypass something and throw a bit of what. You can't do that nowadays. No. It just, computer says, uh-uh. Yeah, computer says no. no exactly yeah. right. So, and that reference sensor does, it controls the ABS system, controls the traction control system. So, um, yeah, the, the little ECU or the computer car brain just does not function without all its parameters working. Brad Schumacher, right back on it in this session with a 206.99 yep 206.99 at the top of the standings the Vortex staying out of the way of the Sun Energy 1 Pro class car as Kenny Abul motors past his front door there is a theme evolving over the course of the day as well that we've witnessed but also drivers have been talking about is that from last year relative to what 24 cars in the race last year even with only six more cars traffic is playing a much more significant role in the way today's played out it'll be play a bigger role in the way tomorrow plays out but more to the point how sunday rolls out and the speed difference between the fastest of the gt3 cars and the gt4 and the some of the invitational class cars is quite dramatic yeah. and they're getting to them at all the wrong points like the entry to the chase or the run out of the dipper where all the GT3 cars make all their punchy lap time. So that's going to be a big storyline, I feel, relative to last year in the race on Sunday especially. Can't decide whether I can hear more gearbox noise or more engine noise from the uh, Mantai uh, Porsche EMA. It's the Shell V power car that we were listening to there, the uh, 991.2. Engine way, way back, of course, in these cars. They didn't adopt the uh, switched engine and gearbox that they did on the uh, GTE cars, where they put the uh, the engine further back into the car, put the gearbox on the back. That was that was done primarily, actually, for aero reasons, so that they could get more aero on the back, underneath the back from the diffuser. Ch changed the weight balance by about, I think it was three to five percent, depending on how it was set up. But that is still a proper 911 Rear, yes, engine in the rear, rear engine. Yes. Horse pushing the cart, not the other way around, which seems counterintuitive, but seems to have worked for 70 years or so. Well, you've been in my 992. It works still, doesn't it? Oh, it works plenty well. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the Lamborghini from Wall Racing. Adrian Dietz and Grant Denyer, the bronze drivers, will be doing the bulk of the work in this session, and it is... Grantley behind the wheel, lives a couple of k's away from Mount Panorama, just the other side of the hill. So he comes and runs this place almost every day when he's in town. Very busy boy at the moment, making television for a living, but allows him to come and race like this. And he's just incredibly passionate about this place and about his motor racing. And, and it's often forgotten that he was a race car driver first and then decided he needed to go and find a way to pay for said race car driving, so got into TV to do it, and now is able to do both of them. And he was quite effective early on today in that dedicated bronze-only session, ended up in the top six yeah, in he the does, Flambeau. He does a mega job. Yeah. For the miles that he does now, which is not that many, because yeah. he is very busy being a TV superstar, that for the miles he does in a race car, he does a really, really good job. And he, he does joke around, and he's quite jovial, yeah. but... 
He does get pretty serious about it, and he works really hard to try and be as good a race car driver as he can be. And, um, if he wasn't such a busy TV superstar, he'd be a great. He'd be a great race car driver. He already is a great race car driver, but he, he, you know, he'd be right on the money. Yeah. Shea Adam down in the pit lane. A lot of cars coming in and actually doing some setup changes. I'm down in the Mark cars end of things. Uh, number 20 has just come in. I think it's Adam Hargraves that's gotten out and Daniel Johnson that's gotten in. Cedric Spears Folly, the only driver not applicable to drive during this session, was getting some feedback from his co-drivers. Not something that very often happens when you're the pro, but of having this bronze-only session. And just a quick update as far as the weather's concerned. I started getting hit in the head more with raindrops a couple minutes ago, but that was that pit out. Now it pit in. Nothing. That's Bathurst all over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought the Scott Taylor Motorsport pinwheel weather station is probably the most accurate thing you could have at Bathurst because we've all got weather radars on our phones nowadays. That don't mean anything here at Bathurst. No. We've all been caught out so many times by the weather here. So it's as it's as good as information as anything, having the old-style pinwheel out the back of the garage. Seaweed out next. That'll be the next thing. Right. Hang a bit. Colleague of ours, Andrew Jones, has got to weather rock. So if, has he? If rock wet, raining. If rock dry, not. If, if rock, rock shadow, moving, sunny. If rock yeah. moving, really <laughs> windy. Yeah. yeah, you're at wine, some wing into it, you're in strife. <laughs> On the 75 Sun Energy One, Mercedes-AMG GT3. Kenny Hubble, there's a doco in the works uh, that's been put together that they started filming at Spa last year, conveniently, oh. um, and has told the full journey of what Kenny and his team and his racing journey, and it, it covers last year's 12-hour, of course, um, chatting to Filippo, who's put all that together early on today, and um, we're hoping to see that at some point soon. I get the vibe that Kenny isn't actually keen to watch it. <laughs> Which I kind of get. Some reading, of it he won't Reading mind. your own autobiography. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I'd love to... I, I can't wait for that to get out in the public because it's a really cool story. It's 2062, by the way, that lap. Yeah, nice, right? I was chatting to him earlier today, and he was saying that he finds Bathurst the hardest place mm. to get up to speed at. Yeah. He said, I can, I can be as close as the pro guys at Spa and Indy and all those other places that I race at, but I come home, effectively... And it's, this is the hardest joint to get his head around to be comfortable across the top of the mountain. He'll not be unique in that. Uh... No, no. And, and it's interesting because, you know, you, you hear from these guys that race at all these really cool racetracks. Oh, Mark Mustang go, go, just a go, little go. bit wider too. Got away with that one. We've had, a f we've had a few close calls so far today, but so far no red flags, no issues. There's been a few hold-the-breath moments. Yeah. Like Big eyes moments from uh, Yank and Goovin at the entry oh, of the cutting yeah. was the big one for mine. That was, that was huge. I'd have loved that we, if we'd had the camera pointing back at him to be able to see what his face looked like at that point because I bet his eyes were like dinner plates. Another Bathurst local on the screen here, Brad Schumacher. Purple at the end of the first sector, so we've picked him up at the right time. And nice bit of clear racetrack in front of him to be able to... Look at what potential he's got in this car. They're everywhere at the moment, the locals, and, and all of them can see the mountain from where they are. Brad Shields as well lives within yeah. walking distance of Mount Panorama. He's in the field. There's something about it. Do you remember early on I was talking about how you could hear the cars scraping? There was no scraping at all from that KFC oh. car. Ah, 91 mark cars. Been in the wars today already. Had some damage to the right front in one of the early sessions. It's the Martini stripe car. And this is just coming out of the chase. We see it from the Richards Hotel.
camera. Not great right. place to watch. You're right. Might be able to get that out of there without a red flag. Daniel Bilski behind the wheel of this superbly liveried car. Been going about their business today. Brad Schumacher negotiates that nicely. Purple first and second sectors. If you're watching the timing, that means it's quickest of anybody so far. And such is the lap with the 205.58. Quickest time of the session. Right on where we thought the best of the... Am drivers would yeah, be in this fastest session. bronze mm. time of the day so far. Yeah, but he had to lift in that final sector because there was yellow, yellow flags, and he wasn't quickest in that. So I don't think he'd be getting a tap on the shoulder from race control for that. I think it's all right. Well, his last sector was not even a personal bet. No, so exactly. He definitely got out of it. Yeah. So yeah. more potential potentially to come from Brad Schumacher as well. So that, that's the that's the classic incident, isn't it, Garth? Coming out. Uh, of of the chase because it's really heavily cambered there. You yeah. don't see that until you drive it, even in a street car, and and that's very much unsettles the car as you're coming out the left hander. And then yeah, what it does is it, it flattens out very very quickly, and the rear of the car moves around. We saw that earlier in practice, particularly Valentino Rossi in the BMW. So if you get sideways and then drop a wheel in the grass, you end up spinning the wrong way off yeah. the racetrack, yeah. and that's what's caught Keith out there so certainly not the first and most certainly won't be the last that we see have that moment at the exit of the chase because you want to carry you want to flow so much speed through the actual chase itself so you use all the real estate you can on the exit and sometimes it can catch you out when do you drive your traditional lap of Bathurst when you roll into town? Several laps, let's be honest. You, you're always surprised about the elevation, yes, how narrow it is across the top, yes, the, the drop off the shelf at Brock Skyline. But for mine, the chase always surprises because I think out of all of this place, TV flattens that out the most. Yeah. It never looks as steep as narrow and as quick as it is, and the camber on the road as well, how high that kerb on the middle of the apex oh, there, yeah. the left-hander is. That It's always massively surprising, and it's, it's, you've got to thank the FIA because when the World Touring Car Championship rolled into town in 1987 and they said, no, no, Conrad Straight's too long, it needs a corner in it. <laughs> you what? Your cars jump off the ground yeah, on the last exactly. car? No, we, we're going to go around that. Huh? So what they did is install an unbelievably fast right-hand corner and then two other brilliant corners that not only promote overtaking your great drama, but moments as well. It's a cool part of the road. Shake. The 91 has made it back into the garage. That's the good news. Keep the silk he's gotten out. He's just taking his helmet sock off. I'll give him a moment and then gesture to him to see if he wants to chat. Uh, but the biggest issue that they have with the car, the bodywork slightly unsettled at the right rear. The, there is some more blue of a different variety and a little bit of yellow as well from the banded tire wall. But the floor... This is where the problem lies, gentlemen. The piece of carbon is hanging down loose. There are three spots where the bolts used to be. The bolts are still in the back of the Mark, which looks like a Ford Mustang from the back end. But the carbon has punctured straight through. So they're going to have issue reattaching this floor to the back of the Mark car. It does still have one bolt that is heroically hanging on, though. So the crew has already gone to work trying to unscrew everything to make sure that they can pull the floor off. And then maybe... Just maybe put an entire new floor on in its place, but the floor that has been damaged now, it's going to need a new point to then go through because the holes that are where the bolt used to be, those are not going to be usable once again. And, the, and you might say, well, what's a bit, bit of a cover on the car, on the back, a bit of a floor, what does it do? It does a lot, particularly on those cars. The Space frame cars utilize underbody aerodynamics. Generally, you get 
less drag and more downforce from those underbody aero pieces than you do from the wings sticking up on the back of the car or the trim pieces at the front. You almost use those to balance the car rather than anything else. Yeah, that's right. So there's no point turning the car if the floor's not connected properly and it's going to flap about because your car's not going to have the performance that you'd expect from it. Didn't it shed a bit of something? That was the, the front. front. front yeah. That was the angry penguin earlier today. <laughs> that's right, it was the angry penguin. That's the right. angry penguin. <laughs> you could have that one. Once a, once a year I come down here and I just hand you a couple. You do. And you hand me some back and well, I take those back to Europe. Built up the lexicon over the years. I like it. As we <laughs> check out Yasser Shahin, two-time GT World Challenge Australia champion. Back with Manti EMA this year and the Shell V-Power car. That's all tied to... Um, their sponsorship of the Bend Motorsport Park circuit that Yasser and his brother Sam uh, Stewart over there in South Australia. I'm sure Sam will be watching on from home, not here this season, electing to give the 12-hour skip, but I think he'll be back in Porsche Carrera Cup this season. He's one of the faster AM drivers in the sport as well. And Yasser currently fourth quickest. That was his personal best lap of the session as well at a 207.09. And he raced this car all last season and the streets of Adelaide, John, at the end of last year in the final round of Fanatec GT World Challenge, he and one M. Campbell teamed up and uh, grabbed themselves a couple of wins on that street circuit. What, what a 18 months, two years, Mr. Campbell has had. What, what a 10 years well, Campbell's had, really. But it's just kept rise. ramping up. Every time you think, right, what else can he do? He, he pulls, pulls another result out, culminating in a... A Rolex watch at the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona. Oh, oh, oh. With uh, a team of first-time winners at the Rolex. And to have all the guys in that car at the level of driving that they've done, Matt has won in class, of course, before, including Joseph Newgarden, who has won the Indy 500 and the Indy Championship. To have a, a team who, who've never won before all in the same car. Amazing. And that was, that was Dan Cameron... We couldn't speak to him at the end of the race because he was so emotionally trying to win that race and that watch so many times. It was a cool performance. It, <laughs> Roger Penske and Porsche Motorsport weren't going to be down for long, were they? <laughs> After a pretty challenging debut year with the, the new car. They I think that's underplaying it, Rich. I think it, yeah, was, was, it was... There were, I, I'm led to believe that there was a couple of meetings without coffee or biscuits. <laughs> oh. as, as you can... Or seats. Um, <laughs> yeah. After Le Mans... Last year, which was the which was really uh, it did not go their way. Uh, there was a complete rethinking of that 963 and what they were going to do. And they went to Barcelona to test the car with a couple of the uh, teams, and the guys had to work very very hard. Weather still blowing in. Well, that's that's what was coming at us. Uh, that's sort of swung us. around us. Yeah. So that's that's more out towards the northeast. Uh, of Bathurst. That's gone out beyond Kelso now and up into the lower reaches of the Blue Mountains. Heading towards Lithgow, yeah. yeah. So that's a pretty good example and shows graphically just how hit and miss the weather here yeah. through this region. So to Shay's point earlier, which said it was, well, it was raining a pit exit and it's not raining a pit entry. That's why when you see those localised showers like that, and so many times we've raced here at the mountain where it's been raining on the bottom and dry up the top or vice, vice versa. versa. Yeah. So, well... Your, John's, first visit to the mountain, 2013, when we had the apocalypse of all storms at the end of the race, and there were cars on slicks at the top of the mountain, over, it was Shane Van Gisbergen overtaking 
at Solomon Park on slick tyres in a portion, the V8 Tony Quinn's car. But down here, it was not raining. It, no. it was dry. And, and you were going, this is insane. It's like, oh, it's, it happens what it here. does it's here. What it's yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Bathurst, yeah, I think. Exactly. Welcome to Panorama, I think. You actually <laughs> Start of the 22 it. supercars race here. Oh, it, was, yeah. it would rain it was... and dry it out three times on Conrad Strait. Yeah. <laughs> just just in, in the one lap. It was oh, incredible. Yeah. I've never seen it and felt it so isolated that was there. So, so strange. KTM Crossport making its debut here and running in the very competitive invitation class, which uh, at the moment is being headed by the number 702 Max Twig driven IRC GT, one of the tube frame type cars. Uh, it's the 20 car of Adam Hargraves in second. Then the triple one Mark II. Then Keith Kasulke's car, which is back at the pit lane. Then John Hollinger in the IRC GT. That's the number 10 car. And it's Julian Bollio in the Vortex, who's there. David Crampton at the moment, driving the number 50 KTM crossbow. Uh, just getting some track time out there. Remember, this is the GT2 version of the KTM crossbow with the uh, uh, slightly less downforce, more power for that GT2 SRO championship that is growing. And what's not to like? Cars that are ridiculously fast in a straight line and uh, don't have a lot of downforce. So... I just dived into the corners. last year's results, and the KTM lasted one and a half practice sessions yeah. before they parked it and switched over to an Audi R8 at the last minute. So they've got a lot further into the race meeting already, which is great to see. And David Crampton, who is owns that, that same, car for Vantage Is that the same race. car? Yes. Yep. So it was a GT team as well yep. last year. Yep. I, I, yeah. I have to say, yep. I, I, I've racked my brain about well, that. Well, that team have run GT4 cars here yes. in the past. In fact, it was one of their cars that bought the late safety car out in 2019 that set up our last 40 minutes of that particularly sensational car race. Here's the Valmont Racing Audi R8, silver class contender. Good mates, long-time business partners, uh, Sergio Perez and Marcel Zalua steering that car. I bumped into Luke Yildon earlier today, former Bathurst winner. Porsche is one of their chief driving instructors in Australia, but he is also part of that squad. They're seventh outright. They're second in the silver class behind the Lambo. Really cool looking car. And this is going to be a hairy moment at the top for Kenny Habal squeaking past the KTM at the metal grate. I tell you what, what, what we were uh, with the onboard shot of, of Kenny's car coming down into the chase a couple of three laps ago. And that car, he's not hanging about. And that car looks well sorted turning through the right-hander, the fast right-hander into the start of the chair. Yeah, it looks very, very planted, and that's what you hear from a lot of the drivers from the Mercedes. They just say how sure-footed the car feels. Um, it's not an, it's no easier car than any of the other GT3 cars to drive on the limit, but the window the, of driving on the limit is much bigger. Yeah. So if you do have a moment in the Mercedes, it doesn't punish you. Like, the window is very wide, whereas... For the Audi, for example, it's a very peaky car. There's a lot of downforce, but it's, to drive it on the limit, there's only a very few drivers that can extract the most out of it. So that's why you see a lot of the 
uh, bronze drivers in the Mercedes are much, much closer to their pro driver teammates because the Merc has such a wide window to be able to drive at the limit. Talking to Adam Carter, from who's, who's head of um, endurance racing for Aston Martin, um, they've just launched their Vantage GT4 and GT3 cars officially, although actually both the versions of the car were, was at, were at Daytona, um, sort of even before the road car was launched, which was pretty cool. And that, that was the absolute design brief for that car. Make the operational window as wide as possible to make it as comfortable as possible for the the driver who doesn't do that much yeah. driving or the driver who can't commit to go and do a whole load of testing and might only get a, a couple of 20-minute sessions before they, they go into the race. It's really, really important in GT3 that, that that's the case. I think we've got Shay back online downstairs in the pit lane. Shay, where are you? I came all the way back down to pit out, and now it is raining down here. So um, we, we've Hang got on. this. No, no, shit. It's, it's just one little black rain cloud following you around like Pooh Bear, isn't it? But Shay, the sun's just come out. That, that's exactly my next line, Frailsy, because unfortunately I left my rain jacket and my sunglasses in the media center, so of course I naturally need both. Uh, the Vortex <laughs> is making its way down the pit lane, missed its box, or shouldn't have left its box because now it's stopped in what would be the transition lane uh, for all normal circumstances and now continues back down so maybe it was a little bit of a control alt delete needed for that car oh sorry it's the ktm it's not the vortex that took me completely by surprise it was a little too far away so the ktm is going back out and that is david crompton behind the wheel he is the bronze rated driver of that trio we talked a little bit about them earlier on in one of the earlier sessions with laura kreihammer serving multiple roles for ktm she got to do some driving a little bit earlier on and was grinning from ear to ear so we definitely need to chat with her maybe tomorrow when it's on camera so you guys can see her smiling too moment for the IRC GT entry at the chase the corners we we're talking about before just on pit lane um, talking to the crew in race control and I've had a few more notifications this session a lot of warnings today about pit lane speed like a lot and today it's just warnings but in qualifying it starts looking at penalties and in the racing of course it is quite serious penalties so there are some issues getting cars slowed especially at that entry when they're attacking the line, the commitment line, to get down to that 40 kilometres an hour they need to be at for the 340-odd metre transit it is from one end of the lane to the other. So lots of warnings today. They get their uh, knuckles wrapped today, but it becomes penalties afterwards when we get into the serious stuff. So something the teams are trying to learn throughout these practice sessions. Don't forget to tag us, hashtag B12HR, b 12 HR on the platform formerly known as Twitter at RSL underscore studio. Many of you have been doing so. Thank you for all the comments today. Actually, you've been keeping me amused and you've uh, provided us with some good information as always on this fast Friday. Hope you've enjoyed the addition of the pictures to go with the audio that we've had in previous years. And our great thanks to particularly all of our camera operators and the rest of the hardworking TV crew for. Could we get a bit earlier? Hart racing across the top. That'll be Ian James in that car, won't it? Yes, it is. Ian, uh, expat Brit who moved across to the States quite some time ago now. Now, that is hitting the ground hard there. That's really... It's got quite big overhangs, though, hasn't it, the Merc? Well, you hear any time we'll take an onboard camera from a Mercedes, you will hear it on the ground everywhere across the top of the mountain. Remember, 
sitting with Shane Van Gisbergen one night and we were looking, comparing in-cars from the Audi and the Mercedes and all you could hear from the Mercedes was the thing on the yeah. ground. So why don't you just raise the ride height, mate, and put a stiff spring in and he goes, no, nah, no, nah, that's where the aero works. Yeah. So, so we will hear that from the Mercedes particularly banging on the ground. But that lap particular for Ian James at the Dipper, every car will make that noise at the Dipper because it's such a rapid drop off the shelf effectively. So little insight into the life of professional race yeah, car yeah, drivers yeah. there. My lap was better than yours. Yep. Just My car makes more noise yeah. than yours does. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's yeah. not bottoming out as much as yours. Yeah, not competitive at all in anything. <laughs> no. It is top trumps, isn't it? The whole thing. Uh, let's have the sound and vision of a full lap of Mount Panorama with the number 22 Porsche. Exactly, Porsche. Number 22, Audi, Liam Tolbert behind the wheel, heading up Mountain Street now. Garth Tander will tell you what's going on. Yeah, break it nice and deep there at the 100 metre board and uh, flow as much speed as you can up the hill because turn two is all about a start of the big climb around the king into the cutting. The car gets really nervous. You see Liam fighting the car on brake as the rear wanting to get away from him there. And this next one up here at the tree, you just grab fourth and you want to be flat, but you can't. You just can't tell your brain to be flat through there. And then grab fifth on the run down here, out to the grate. And it looks like it's the KTM just up of the road ahead of us. So we'll have to feather out of it here at McPhillamy. Back to fourth gear because of the traffic. Oh, don't go to the outside, Liam. Okay, we get away with that one. And then the drop-off skyline. Car gets very light there. You can't use too much curb to the left because the car will bottom out. Doesn't actually scrape through the dipper. And then the run down here is so fast here. The brain bending how quick you can get around that corner to get the car stopped before Forest Elbow. On the gas nice and early. And then you can relax here, John, as the car climbs up to 280k an hour. It's actually nice to strange to think that the fastest the car's going is when you're the most relaxed. And Pull the Kindle out, yeah. read a couple of pages <laughs> of the novel you're working on. Yeah. Check the dash, check a few other things, and then flat through here, easy. Well, and then traditionally it's braking at the 100-meter board. So obviously we've got GT4 car in front of us. I think that's Mark Griffiths, GT4 car. Go around the outside of that one. So a little bit traffic polluted towards the end of that lap, but... We will have a lot of that over the course of 12 hours, how to deal with the traffic. This will be an interesting comparison because the IRC has so much horsepower, you can't actually pass them down the straight. So all you do is catch up in the braking zone. So you've really got to be quite smart about how you pass those cars. You can see Liam flashing lights and waving around, but that doesn't bother John Hollinger. He doesn't care. He's just going to get on the gas and drive it up the hill. <laughs> do you notice, by the way, how quick Garth and, uh, spotted which car was going to slow his lap down as they were coming up to the great there. Right, that's the right, that's the KTM. I'm, I'm going to have to... I'm coming off there straight away. Well, it's more the don't go to the outside, don't go to the outside, don't go to the outside. Yeah. This, I, I think Liam was probably thinking the same thing. Some bit of energy in the racetrack at the moment. There's some plenty of colour on that timing screen, which indicates personal session best lap times. Garth Walden, fourth in the 48M Motorsport. AMG's just punched out the quickest first sector of the entire session, if you're unfamiliar with the sector times 
where the track is broken into thirds for timing purposes. The first split on the run up to Solman Park and the run up to the hill under what Garth called the tree. Uh, and then the second split on the exit of the elbow, the final sector is where we see Yasuchi Hin. It's the 1.4-odd Ks to Conrad to the kink and then the remainder of the chase and Murray's corner. So Walden on a very good lap and looking to improve from a 2.06.2. Schumacher still quickest by a tenth over Kenny Habal. So Audi, Mercedes-AMG, Aldi and Mercedes-AMG, one, two, three, and four. The first of the Porsches is Yasha Shahin in fifth place. Yasha's going to get to the strike before Walden and punches out his best lap of the session at a 2.06.5. Just waiting for Garth. Here is car number 48. One of four drivers in this combination in Justin McMillan's team. It goes right to the top. Wow. The 205.3 with four and a half minutes to go in the final session of the day. Great lap, Garth Walden. Leading the way in this bronze driver only practice session four for the Repco Bathurst 12-hour. But if you are reading the timing screen, and it is available for you, uh, via the website, of course. Uh, you'll see that there are some pro cars out there. So don't be confused because some of the full pro cars, as they are listed and entered, have got bronze drivers in them. And this all comes down to what you guys last year called the Kenny rule. And it, that, that isn't going home. <laughs> Not that Kenny. It's Kenny Abul. Yeah. You, home, now. Not, um... It's Kenny Abul, and it's all down to a little little snag, a little loophole that you guys spotted last year. I, I think they wrote it into the rules going, oh, no one's going to do that. Who's going to do that in their right mind? Well, who would want to enter the race, stump up all, well, most of the budget, in some cases all of it, and only drive for potentially 40 minutes of a 12-hour race? Well, it turns out the desire to win at Bathurst could potentially be larger than the desire to do bulk laps in a race at Bathurst. So Kenny Habal took advantage of that last year. They read the rules. They interpreted them correctly. I love that that loophole, as it was, wasn't closed. They kept it open. And what it's done is allowed another team in Audi Sport Team MPC to do exactly the same thing. And I've got to tell you, it might be the difference between that team being here and competing than not at all. So if it gets cars on the grid... and competitive cars with works drivers alongside two really experienced AM drivers. Fantastic. More of it. Again, plenty of light colours on the timing screen. We'll keep a look at that, uh, an eye on that as uh, Shea Adam reports from the pit lane. Down in M Motorsport, and there was a big cheer when all of a sudden their car went to the top of the charts overall. And just going to see if I can interrupt Justin McMillan here really quick. Justin, do you mind a quick chat? Congrats. Oh, we're not on camera today. You're fine. You don't you don't need your fire suit done up. This was one of those things where bronze only session, it means that you get more seat time, which is exciting. But then your teammate goes out there and puts a P1. Now do you want another go at it? Yeah, no, he's we uh, we did a race in New Zealand because he's a good bronze. Some call him a fake bronze, but he's a good bronze. Um, so we're going to rely on him a lot during the race, that's for sure. But he got, got a few laps, I got a few laps. I unfortunately glanced the wall at the cutting, which spooked me a bit, but then Garth got in, obviously the car's still fast. <laughs> yeah, steering wheel's still pointing in the yeah. right direction, that's the important bit. Now, how is it going to be an advantage for you guys with the four-driver lineup? Ah, uh, well, we'll probably let Garth do a bit more time, to be honest. I don't have to.
to do a great deal, obviously, with two bronzes. Um, and Garth will do a bit more, depending. We'll give Jack the whole session in the morning, try and get him up to speed, but it's been six or seven years since he's driven a JD car. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like riding a bike. You don't forget. Yeah, yeah no, he's getting there. He got faster in the session this afternoon. Got a bit spooked this morning, but tomorrow morning he'll get the whole 40 minutes. Good luck for the Thanks. race. Thank you. Thanks, Shay. That was Justin McMillan, team boss at M Motorsport and very experienced DT driver as well. Interesting talking about Jack just getting back up to speed in these cars. And um, Glenn Wood is uh, the fourth driver in that combination. He's a really, he's another very underrated guy to put in one of these cars. His brother Dale races in Carrera Cup very successfully as well. So it's a good combination. And Garth has shown the potential of that car by going quicker. I don't know if Garth agrees that he's going to do more laps tomorrow <laughs> on Sunday. What visions of an early knockoff, but might have been knocked on the head. Oh, come on. Somebody asked you to drive a racing no, car. I'm not going to say no, are you? Anywhere. A well-prepped racing car. But it's not anywhere. It's Mount Panorama in the in the Repcor Bathurst 12 hours. If they said you're going to have to do the whole race yourself, do you think you can you know, give it? I'll give it a go. Yeah. I'll see how far. God's laughing his head off next to me. But it's right, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's what yeah, we're talking yeah, about. Absolutely. Early on. On. I can go longer than you. I can do more time <laughs> than you. Oh, mate, he is in full co-driver mode now. Rocks up in October. Might do two hours, two and a half. <laughs> just the middle of the day uh, shift. And then hand it over to these try. young guns at the end. You've got to train to be ready for double stints <laughs> at any opportunity should the strategy require it, Rich. <laughs> As the chequered flag flies behind the number 22 Audi that's been quickest throughout most of the day and in fact on the combined time will remain quickest from that Kelvin van der Linde two early on today. Liam Talbot fourth in this session. So 40 minutes complete. Four practice sessions complete. Despite us trying our very best, we tried to jinx it there were no red flags today, which is pretty remarkable stuff for a Friday at Mount Panorama. Well, not every car's got to the line yet, Rich. <laughs> oh, the checkered flag's out. They can't that's flag it. it from here. That's it. It could be, it could be checkered a red somewhere, I suppose. But um, There's a lot of red Come table. On, I did notice there were a lot of red tablecloths when I was walking down there. So, so that's, that's where a, they all are. They've been all. removed, right? That's there are actually no red flags. Can't wave the them if they don't <laughs> exist. That's right. Ex exactly right. What do we take from... Today, Garth. I mean, it's it, the good news is that everybody has got the time in. There's been one or two little issues for a, a couple of the teams, but they seem even the guys who had issues early seem to have bounced back. Yeah, for me, it's it's the cleanness of the day. Yeah, there's been a few little issues and a few little moments here and there, but we've had no one in the gravel trap, no one scrape any walls of significance, no cars come back on flatbed trucks. And I can't remember a Friday at the Bathurst 12-hour. We've had this where we've had a pretty much a clean day of running. Mm. So um, that bodes well. Bodes well yeah. for, for tomorrow. Uh, I th think the speed is up compared to what we have seen in the past, that time that Calvin Vendelinda did straight away this morning within the first 10 minutes of Sharp. practice. Sharp. So, you know, to be in the twos that early um, bodes well for some really fast times tomorrow in qualifying. Uh, I think practice in the morning is going to be fantastic yeah, to watch. Me too. Because the quality, quality sims are going to be fantastic to watch in the morning. That, that early session yep. in the morning, uh, tune in for that. We'll have a final word from Cher Adam before we wind things up. Still one or two cars to come to the line. Cher, down in the pits. 
Uh, just wanted to remind one Mr. Richard Crail that he needs to get to the pit exit at the end of this session because he is going to get to go for a lap. And guys, it's just sprinkling a little bit. That'll be fine. His driver's got a few laps around here. Uh, there's a, an empty seat already, Sheer, uh, where Creelsey would have been. Love so, it. Yeah, he's, he's on his way. Thank you, Sheer, uh, for... What, uh, just be... We'll go to the practice results here. Uh, this is for free practice for... Uh, and it was that uh, Garth Walden lap in the Mercedes, number 48, that takes it uh, in terms of this session. doesn't count for anything. Liam Talbot in the Audi in second. Brad Schumacher in the two, so the 22 in the two. Mercedes, Audi, Audi, Mercedes, Porsche for Yasser Shashin. Uh, and then another Mercedes, uh, Prince Jeffrey Ibrahim, uh, Sergio Pires uh, in seventh, Ian James for Harter Racing in ninth, and the top ten, Edwin Deaton in the red and white Lamborghini Huracan, and the best of the invitational cars, the IRC GT, number 702, in tenth position. Another clean session. That is what we take away from this. In that bronze-only session, we had 20 of the 30 cars. Um, it... There was a couple of Neely moments. It was a couple of Neely moments. <laughs> Liam Talbot trying to turn in from the grass. That wasn't a bold strategy. That didn't work out for him. Keith Kosulke had his moment leaving the chase and Max Twig turning in. And I think that was when we had that small rain shower go across yeah. the circuit. So potentially the track getting a little bit wet there for Twiggy. Kenny Habil was inside the top five for the entirety of the session as he continues his search to go back to back to back to back. Seems like they've won here for the last three or four years. That car is always at the front. Yeah, the, this is exactly the start to the week that a, a defending race winner wants. You do not want any dramas. There's enough pressure on you because people like us are saying, oh, it could be three in a row for them and four in a row for Shield Gunon. And Garth Walden nicking the time uh, at the end in the number 48 Mercedes, the Embraer supported car, that very pretty chrome silver and blue machine. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Fast Friday. Wherever you were around the world, I hope you enjoyed what we've given you, not only from the... At uh, 12 hour sessions for the Repco Bathurst 12 hour, but the support categories have been such brilliant fun as well. And we've got more of it coming tomorrow with more additional video for you. Not just the sound that we've provided for you in the past, but we'll fire up the cameras uh, for the two sessions tomorrow for the 12 hour cars as well. Check the website for details and make sure you do the conversions to your own time zone as well. Or you can go to RadioLamont.com and scroll down the bottom. There's a schedule on there that auto-corrects to your own time zone. Thanks to Cher down in the pit lane, to Richard Krill and to Garth Tander. Uh, coming up on RS1, we've got Track to Town. Got to talk to quite a lot, around right about half the grid uh, earlier in the week, and there were some very interesting uh, comments being made, but generally speaking, everybody's happy to be back here, as are we, and we'll, we'll welcome you back on Saturday. Make sure you join us as we build up to the 2024 Repco Bathurst 12 hours on Sunday. Have a good Friday wherever you are in the world. From the whole team, I'm John Hindoff. Bye-bye. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.